it is the pink elephant theory. If the guest wants a pink elephant, get them a pink elephant. If you can't find a pink elephant, get a horse, paint it pink, convince the guest that's an elephant. Do whatever it takes to ensure they're happy. That's it. Are they happy? We are back. It is the Pink Elephant. I'm Chris Adams. Thanks so much for everyone joining us. Uh, it's a it's another Tuesday. I have an, another amazing guest. John Chintinerode is with us. John, thanks so much for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. So, you know, I think that Recruiting Accelerator, that is your company. And when we talk about relevant right now, <laughs> that's a, I feel like it's an understatement. Um, hmm. with what's going on and the kind of the labor crisis that you're seeing across the board right now. I'd love to know before we even dive into where we're at, how did you get to this place? I mean, what happened in your career that you went, you know, at recruiting? Oh my God, this is, this is an angle I have. This is something that we need. Hmm. Um, maybe, I don't know, did you work with the recruiter and realize, oh my God, this is something I want to do. How did you, how did you get here? Yeah. Um, so like most recruiters, I kind of fell into it by accident because nobody like goes to college and majors in recruiting, right? It's not a thing like that. At like 14, and, you were like, you know what I want to do when I grow yeah. up? <laughs> yeah, I want to be a headhunter. Yeah, right. But kind of like, I'm sure like real estate people, insurance people, they kind of fall into it too, right? Um, I think the core themes that we're all like people, persons, right? Uh, that sort of thing. But after school, I kind of walked into a temp agency, a staffing firm looking for a job and they ended up recruiting me to work for them. Like, hey, why don't you come work here? So I said, you know, why not? I I like connecting people and helping people find jobs. It sounds good to me. And so I did I did that, you know, did well, worked my way from kind of a large staffing company to more boutique recruiting firms. Uh, because uh, as a recruiter, you make a commission off what the co what the company will pay you for the salary. So basically, um, the fee is typically twenty percent or twenty five percent okay. or more of a candidate's first year base salary. So if you're a 100K guy, I place you, then the fee that my agency earns is 20K, um, which is cool because then my my fee that I get is a chunk of that. So, of course, I want to keep placing higher and higher um, salary people. Um, then one day uh, I came in and uh, they laid off the whole division. I think the company I was working for, the agency, was priming itself to be sold and they wanted to streamline everything. So they laid off our division. And so when I called my clients to say, hey, sorry, I won't be able to send you any more uh, resumes they said well you know why don't you just go solo do, and we'll sign with you so that's what gave me the push to like branch out and start my own agency right i wasn't really quite sure at the time you know 10 years ago there were really no coaching programs or mentors that would help specifically with this so i had to figure out a lot on my own the hard way like trial and error cut my teeth um made a lot of newbie mistakes right it cost me time and money um, but over the years i kind of figured it out and and came up with a process that worked for me and then uh, ultimately what happened was I think year five of like running my own recruiting business, I had sold my agency to my partner um, and a lot of old coworkers that, who worked with me at these other agencies saw what I was doing that had done pretty well. And they reached out saying, hey, you know, what? I'm, I'm finally ready to branch out on my own. Um, some were recruiters I worked with, some were just non-recruiters like, hey, John, I, I've been doing tech for 10 years. I think, I think I'd be a really good tech recruiter. Or I've been doing healthcare for 12 years. I think I could specialize in helping hiring managers find people like me like do you think you can help me so just giving them kind of some tips here and there and seeing them like achieve success like much faster than i did just because i kind of showed them the the pathway that i carved out for myself was really fulfilling so I, it was kind of like my way to give back it was really fun and then i decided to kind of go into coaching and just make this my full-time 
thing. And so what started off as like one-on-one coaching type of thing now has evolved into this full-blown program that we have with, I have a team of coaches and client success um, uh, managers. And you know, we've now put over 300 people through the program uh, from all wow. walks of life, uh, both recruiters and non-recruiters. And uh, yeah, and it's been really fun. It's a six month thing. You know, we guarantee that you will make your first uh, recruiting placement or commission, right? Or your money back. So we have a really strong offer. We care a lot about our people and we're really glad to kind of find this little niche in the market that we can uh, serve people with. How long have you been doing this? Recruit uh, with the coaching program, three years now. So we actually started in March, 2020. So right when COVID hit, it was like, going to be like <laughs> a funny time. But I think it ended up being okay because um, when people were kind of either out of, out of work, unfortunately, or everyone's working remotely, now they had some more time and flexibility to try to carve out a side business because most of the people we work with, they can start their own. Basically, they, they can become an independent recruiter part-time on the side while holding another nine-to-five job. And then once the recruiting commissions outpaces their nine-to-five salary, they're, they're always like, I'm out of here. I'm doing this full-time. For sure. How hard was it for you, you know, transitioning from, you know, when you started, you were working for an agency and kind of watching what they were going through. And when they started to streamline and they let off that division and all those things, when you transition from working for an agency to being an entrepreneur, right, launching your own business, how big of a challenge was that for you um, mentally to transition from working for someone to now it's all on you um yeah. it works or it doesn't work it, it kind of stops with you how was that difficult uh, it was right i mean i'd be lying if i didn't say i had a huge amount of like imposter syndrome like i thought why would you know what if, when i'm talking to uh, or reaching out to vp or director level hiring managers like why would they want to work with little me uh solo small shop agency versus the big uh staffing companies in the world right with more resources but what helped me get over that was, um, one, I, I quickly learned that companies who, who use recruiters, and the main reason why they use outside recruiters is because like big corporations, the Googles of the world, the Meta, um, the Salesforces, they have like a team of internal recruiters full-time dedicated to going out and hunting for the best talent. Uh, but for most small and medium-sized businesses, that's very expensive, right? They can't afford to staff a whole team of full-time recruiters. So they rely on outside agencies to come in who are specialized and help them find their talent, right? Um, so I, I found out that hiring managers don't really care about like who you are, like where, where you're from, how long you've been doing recruiting even, or the name of your recruiting company. All they care about is, do you have a candidate for them? Like, do you have, do you have somebody for them, right? Um, and when I realized that, I realized, oh, I can reach out to any company as long as I can dangle a carrot saying, hey, I have somebody who, uh, you know, fits exactly what you're looking for on your job description, on your careers page, and they come from a competitor, they can bring a book of business, they just start looking for new opportunities, they're very familiar with what you do, and ask if I can make an introduction, would you be open to seeing their profile, I'm happy to send you, uh, have you take a look, right? That's very enticing for most hiring managers. So. Then once I got that, uh, I got out of my own way, then it was kind of smooth sailing at that point, right? For the most part. Yeah. I feel like honestly, for most individuals that are, you know, for anybody that's watching or listening right now and they're debating or thinking about, man, I really want to do my own thing and I want to become an entrepreneur. I think probably the number one challenge that most all of us would say in the beginning is transitioning from knowing what you want to do to believing you can do it. 
right? I, I, I think it's like there's you, I think you said it perfectly of getting out of your own way. I think it's probably one of the biggest things that roadblocks that everyone faces is that getting out of your own way and actually believing that, you know what, I, I do deserve to be here and I can do this. So, yeah. And you know, it, it was even a challenge of how like uh, that came up in our, our, our coaching program of the our clients that we help because we're, you know, at one point I was like, Hey, I'm giving them the, all the right templates, the right scripts, the right process, even showing them how to leverage automation tools to like do client acquisition at scale on autopilot. Um, but like you know, some people were getting great success. A lot of people were, but a lot of people weren't. And then after talking to them, I realized it was a mindset thing. They just were like, we talked about getting in, they're in their own way. And I felt like responsible for them. Like, okay, I'm not doing enough to help them unblock their, you know, whatever is the head trash they have in there. So um, for that reason, uh, we kind of got lucky. I was able to hire a trainer who works with Tony Robbins company actually on stage, like, you know, with Tony and he does Monday mindset coaching. So we are, let's have a, let's have a mindset call that has nothing to do with recruiting and just like set, you know, set the tone for the week, right? Start off in a good mental state. So we have Mondays, <laughs> mindset Mondays, we call it for that call Love and, you that. Know, every day of the week. We have a specialized coaching call for recruiting or tech using tech or I do strategy. Right. But it was funny. I wouldn't have imagined that would be something that I would ever, implement or need to until I realize that anything that you do, I think at a high level, it's mostly a mental game or like golf or yeah. professional athletes, you know, athletes, right? I think, um, there's always two, and I, I get a lot of people that call and say, Hey, look, I'm going to do my own thing, similar field to what you do. I'd love it. Can I pick your brain? You know, would you mm -hmm. give me 10 minutes? And my answer 99% of the time is yes. Like anytime I can try and help someone, I, you know, I want to do it. And I always yeah. find that after talking to them and, and they're, you know, they're passionate and they want to do it. And I kind of watch their journey. And most of the time you see them start to fall off and you see them, you know, you see that thing pop up on LinkedIn and they tag, you get tagged in something that says, congratulate so-and-so on a new job. And I realized they've transitioned from, I want to do my own thing to then taking a position. And that sure. typically happens because there's that lull right between you think you're going to launch something. You think there's going to be a line of people down the street because everyone wants to work with you because what you're going to do is better than everyone else's. And then it doesn't happen immediately. And yeah, there's yeah. that gap. And sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's a year, but there's a gap of how much do you really, really believe that this is a thing and how long are you willing to let it ride? Staying focused on the end goal and not caving and taking that next position that pops up because it just didn't work quick enough for you. And so it's interesting to hear um, just from others that have that have pushed through and made it. Um, just that process of going from I'm going to do it to, OK, I'm doing it and it, it's I'm finding success with it. Yep. Uh, agreed. Like, yeah, I mean, the same reason why I think at the gym, like, you know, we're pushing the holidays, like the gym will be packed on Jan January and February, right? Then March, <laughs> April around, then it cleared all the new year resolution crowd uh, gets cleared out. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's like no fault. I mean, they, they come in with the great intentions, best of intentions. Mm -hmm. Hey, this, this is the year where I'm finally going to get my shape dialed in or get, get in shape. But then um, I think it's probably either a combination of like without the support, like unless you have a trainer that's waiting for you at the gym, you have to show up to an appointment. It's easy to yeah. you know not do it or have excuses come up, and there's always things that can come up that that will come up. And then also, it's like maybe even the knowledge, right? Like they show up at the gym, but they have no idea how to use equipment or they don't know how to dial in their nutrition, and so that they don't get results and get frustrated and quit. So I feel like as coaches, like we have to we're responsible for not giving them just the motivation and accountability, but 
giving them the practical tools. And then at that point, like, at, at that point, we, we, we kind of stop there and we let people succeed or fail on their own because it's like ultimately, yeah. right, we don't take responsibility for that. But then I realized people still need like a kind of an accountability buddy, right? Like, like that's not enough. Yeah. So I mean, we even have a dedicated client success manager that does one-on-one calls every month to make sure, hey, are you are you falling off where are you at? Because it requires a tremendous amount of support to have people go from like nine to fiver to like successful entrepreneur. That's a big gap for people to cross more than and, you know, usually people come to us when they've tried it. They're like, hey, I've set up my LLC, my website, my logo, my business cards. Now I don't know where to go from here. I'm stuck, right? So the honeymoon um, phase, the the exciting part of I've created a logo and all those things yeah, start to right. it falls off really fast when you don't have consistent checks showing up um, for you to pay or your like bills. How do you get a client? Right, it's a, it's a first thing. Yeah. but yeah, it's 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 hard. Um, and I sympathize with people because I've I've been there, and I I think people always are afraid to ask. Too, I had like mentors who I could ask, but I could like take them out to coffee once in a while or like pick their brain, but no one I feel comfortable like ask for help every day. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna bug this person. So um yeah, it, it's always hard. It it is, you know, and it's also um you know it's it's interesting when you start thinking about being an entrepreneur and the things what it takes to get from zero to actually finding success. And you mentioned something in there that was, I think, extremely important because we're dealing with it on my side with, with my clients as well. That says it, it's the, what's the old saying? You could lead a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink it. Right. And yeah. it's, you, you give the client the path to success. Um, but they really care about one thing and that's results, right? If you can't get a result from something, the journey of how to get the result becomes irrelevant. Right. And so for us, it's really honing in on once we've given the path to success, what are we doing after that to make sure that we're constantly following up? We're we're scheduling weekly calls, biweekly calls, whatever it might be to help make sure you're holding them almost accountable against that critical path to help Mm -hmm. them really find the result. Because if they can't find results, then your value continues to drop as whatever your business right. is providing. So to hear you say that you do weekly calls on that stuff, you know, it makes total sense on why you continue to find success because you're you're ensuring that they're getting the success on the back end. So that's it's very cool to hear. Thanks. Yeah, 100%. I agree. So what are you seeing now? We talk about recruiting, you're seeing the labor markets all over the place right now with people struggling to find staff. Uh, the staff they get is, you know, is not what they're really looking for. Um, they're talking about the next generation has such a different mindset of how they work. What are you seeing? Um, you know, the, you're in the heart of it. What are you seeing that's in, in labor, the labor market as a whole right now? Yeah, I think, uh, Despite what happens with the economy and how it changes, uh, I find there's always a demand for the best talent, right? And I think as long as there's demand, as long as companies are competing for the same type of high quality talent, there's always going to be a job available for those people, right? The top 10%. And there's going to be a demand for people to help them find those people, right? You know, the recruiters. So I think um, that's always the case. And I can actually just prove it to people because people will come and say, Hey, like 
I, I feel like I've, I've been, you know, I'm a people person. I like, I like helping my own friends find jobs. I feel like I could do this as a profession, even part-time, but I'm not sure if there's even a need for this. If I heard that companies are laying, I see the news companies are laying off people every single uh, week, but then I'd say, Hey, just go on LinkedIn, go to uh, click on jobs and click on the like, United States. And you do that, you'll see that I think right now there's like 1.65 million job posts on LinkedIn. And these are paid job posts from companies struggling to hire the right people, find the right people that they're, they're paying for LinkedIn for expensive premium posts to advertise their jobs. So 1.7 million across the U.S. And so if you are, um, you know, and, and any recruiter knows that you only need a handful of clients to stay busy. If you have like three or four clients, each giving you two or three roles each, you have like a dozen positions to fill and you're slammed like you're good. And if you can make one hire per month or 20K per month, you're really good, right? So you don't need to have, you only need like 0.01% of the market share of available jobs. And if you pick a niche and really just focus on that, then I think you're well positioned to serve those clients, right? That makes total sense. Are you seeing one market, um, one industry that's really mm -hmm. outpacing others in regards to needs? Um, I, I've always been a fan of, I see like sales as something that's hot. I mean, tech is always there, right? But tech is hard to branch into unless you have a background in it, right? Um, but with sales, I found that uh, despite any economic situation, if the hiring manager sees you as a revenue generating you know, human capital asset, then they're not going to be so shy to pull the trigger to make the offer, make the hire, pay you your your, your high uh, comp requirements and even pay a recruiter to find you because they know the moment you come on board within a short amount of time, you'll make back that money and then some. So you'll be a net ROI positive. However, other fields that are less tangible to measure, less measure results like customer service or even like bookkeeping or things that um, they might say, oh, you know, like we don't need that right now, right? So. If you can position yourself, it doesn't have to be just sales. It can be like client success, which is sales, sales support role, sales engineer, anything that will help drive revenue, even marketing to a degree. Um, if you can um, help marketing and drive revenue for a company, then they're more looser with the purse strings to make that higher because they know you're going to yeah. bring more money than what yeah. they pay you. You're seeing uh, us, we do a ton on the hospitality side, right? And hotels, yeah. leadership positions. Um, even, I mean, down to your hourlies of trying to find service staff, mm -hmm. it is a it is a challenge across the board in the industry. And it's funny, I was just with someone in another field um, and labor came up today and they were just saying, and even in their industry, they're struggling to find this. And and so it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting that you're not seeing it in one specific sector. It's really across the board that you're mm -hmm. seeing, um, I hate calling it a shortage, um, as much as it is. Um, struggling to find the right fit, I guess, for, for organizations right now. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with just the candidate pool, right? Like, I think, unfortunately, most, um, I mean, like, it's, you know, talk about large companies can afford to hire a team of in-house people to, and recruiters to go out and find people. So they're able to canvas and, and poach from other competitors and uh, industry, um, you know, counterparts, right? And like staff up really, really good people. But I think um, small and medium-sized businesses just rely on posting up a job ad on LinkedIn or Indeed and just every day you know, going through all the garbage resumes, people who have no business applying for the job, hoping that the right person will come along and uh, apply the job and then hoping that their job offer and their company is going to be better than all the other companies they're interviewing with too, right? So it's 
it's tough if your strategy is to like pray that the right person will come along your careers post and careers job, a careers page and apply because the best people aren't on their couch, unemployed, sending resumes out all day. The best people are gainfully employed, heads down, doing great work, being compensated well, being well rewarded by their boss. And then like, those are the people that everyone, those are the rock stars people want to hire. Right. But you're never going to get them to apply to anything. So it's, yeah, that's a great point. Actually, that's a, that's a really good point of, uh, the ones that you want, they're probably already employed for a reason. Um, and, and those are the, yeah, it's, like, it's like dating. Like the, dating. Yeah, the ones that you want are already in relationships, right? <laughs> like, gosh, you, what? All yeah, the good ones are single for 35 years. Why is that? There's one <laughs> yeah. common denominator here. Um, uh, what do you think is next? What do you see? Um, you know, how much, well, I guess lead with first with, how much has you, you've brought up LinkedIn, LinkedIn and monster and different things. How much has social media and just the tech side impacted, um, the recruiting piece of this? Yeah. Um, sure. I'll answer that from the perspective of both the, uh, the recruiter as well as the candidate. Right. Uh, so for a recruiter to do their job and get in front of more people, uh, whether it's, uh, getting in front of more hiring managers to help or getting more candidates to recruit, um, the technology has definitely helped, right? So in the beginning, uh, right now we're, um, we're about to launch our 4.0 version of our program. So back in the 1.0 was what I did back then when I first started, which is smile and dial, right? So, you know, pick up, pick up the phone, start calling people, sending emails. And back then, um, people's phone numbers were listed on their websites. So you had a good chance of calling at least the main number and asking me to, to be transferred, right? Uh, but that worked back when you, if, when you have three or four hours a day, five hours a day to do nothing but business development. But that's really um, a sticking point or st a non-start for most people who have a 95, have family commitments. So then the 2.0, we leverage like automations on LinkedIn and email. So take the message you were gonna, that you used to manually email and type out by hand and just put into a machine and tool and let that send it out on autopilot. Once we did that, like it was day and night, like all of a sudden, instead of doing cold reach outs, you only had to reply back to people who raised their hand and responded. So you're only talking to warm leads all day long and a lot easier. and um, at scale, it totally up, outperforms manual prospecting. But then um, then everyone started doing that too. So then our 3.0, we started leveraging AI video messages. So we're sending video messages that stand out from all the written messages. And that was really exciting. And the 4.0, we're able to launch all of that like built for you. So that way you wouldn't have to build it. Like Because as we, as we get more technical, the curve for people to learn gets more challenging. And people are like, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm afraid of that tech or... I'm really slow to learn this stuff. And so we're like, we're like, okay, we got to do it for you. So now it's kind of more of a, we'll build out the whole business and your whole um, acquisition process. All the automations will just do it for you. So that way you have no excuse. You can just run, right? So tools have been very, very helpful for us and allow us to really evolve. And I think while we outpace our competition um, on the candidate side of things, you know, you mentioned social media and that's something I think a lot of people don't realize is that, when you apply for a job, like the first thing that we do as recruiters, we just, we just look you up on Facebook, Instagram. We just start doing a little bit of a, yeah. <laughs> See, my kids don't understand yeah, yeah. that I'm like, we're, we're please your pay attention to what you're putting out there because uh, yeah, but yeah, but we see something that's that. like, um, well, because here's the deal. I think a lot what a lot of people don't understand, at least when you talk to a recruiter, is that when as a candidate, if we submit your resume to a client, we're like vouching for you, especially like so we have like. A clients are our best clients, have the best jobs, they pay the most money. Then we have our B and C clients. It's like, eh, you know, let's just send our leftover people there sometimes. And when you come in to meet with a recruiter, 
like where are we going to by the end of the conversation we're going to put you in one of those buckets and say all right do i feel confident enough in you to put you in front of my a client because i'm taking a risk if i put you in front of my a client and the interview goes bad you make a bad impression now all of a sudden like my value my stock goes down with that a client so i'm not going to risk my reputation and relationship with my a client unless i feel that you are an a candidate so if i go on social media i see you post creative stuff or unprofessional photos or anything like that or we're in a zoom call and like you know you're you, you look like you're working out of a messy like closet or anything like that or i'm like ah this is i'm gonna send them to my b minus client because i don't really care what they think right so um if they can if you sharpen up your social media presence and put your best foot forward then they'll go a long way from like a job seeker perspective it is so crazy how much social media impacts so many different areas of our lives and I don't think people really understand the value of what that is, right? Good and bad. And it's amazing in your world. That's it's a, such a huge piece of what you're looking at. Yep, absolutely. And then uh, vice versa, companies too, right? Candidates, top candidates are uh, have their choice. They can go into anywhere and get a job if they're the best of the best. And so they're going to be checking you out, your company page, your your social media too, and see, hey, is this a company whose mission I'm aligned with? Because once you're talking about the top 10 percentile of talent, like money is no longer the primary objective, right? Like they they make, they earn, they all make a good living. Now they're looking for the right team, the right company, the right culture in which they can choose. And they're very picky, right? As, as they should be. So then companies are like, okay, how can, you know, we help them figure out how they can best be attractive to that top talent, which is why, like we talked about, hey, even in the you know hotel wait staff, wait staff, right? Like they have challenges hiring good people, but because, but if they were like the Ritz Carlton, the best of the best, best reputation, they they have it easier, right? Because they have they're known for being a good place to work. How do you vet? You know, it's easier on the candidate side of going through social and stuff like that. How do you vet the the organization? Like when you talk about. I'm a huge culture guy, right? And and what's the atmosphere and, and what are we living every day at the office? So how do you vet those companies? Because look, every company, when you launch, you write down your pillars on a BevNAP somewhere of like, this is, this is our mission statement. And it's easy to write it down, but cultivating that and living it day in and day out. How do you, how do you verify that a company actually is who they say they are? Um, sure. Right. I think as a candidate, like what we will help them do is like, I mean, it really comes down to the interviewer, right? Because like for me, like I, I made a hire this morning for a, a second customer service manager that we have a client success manager. And, um, I'm always, when I do interviews, I'm always framing everything as if they were the top 10%. So like, I don't grill people like, Hey, so tell me why I should hire you. Right. Like, or I don't make them jump through hoops. Hey, before you jump on the interview, I want you to fill out this questionnaire and record a video for me and jump through all these hoops because that would be, um, and that's a mistake I think a lot of hiring leaders make is they make them jump through hoops thinking, hey, if they're good, they'll go, they'll jump through my hoops. Well, if they're the best of the best, like they're like, nah, I'm not gonna do that. Like, why do I need to do that, right? Um, like I make analogy between dating and recruiting a lot because it's they're both conjugate relationships from thin air. So if yeah, dating if, if the person's like a, a ten out of ten or nine out of ten, and you say hey, Kia, come over, but I want you to drive. Through. I don't want to drive forty five minutes to see you. You drive to see me. They're like, 
nah, I'm good. I'm not going to do that. Right. Like I got better stuff to do with my time. So, you know, if, if the person's really high quality, yeah, you drive to them or meet somewhere in the middle. Right. Um, so similarly, um, if you can frame the interviews, the job uh, process, the interview process, um, as if that person was at top 10%, then you'll get more of those top 10%, meaning like some people drag on too many interviews. Hey, we have interview number six with you here. A good, a good candidate who is looking is going to be snatched off the job market in like a week. So as a recruiter, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll guide our clients saying, hey, I know that you don't really have this multi-step interview process, but my person, they're already on third round interviews or final rounds next week. So if you want them, they're only going to be on the market for maybe another five or six days tops. So what do we say? We, we condense the interview process and give you a chance to pick them up before they're, they're off the market, right? So... If you yeah, can kind that of makes, treat that makes sense. Them, yeah, and, and they feel that too. They're like, okay, they get it. So for me, before I even so here's a here's a tangible tip for me is I'm always hiring um, like salespeople or people who do my enrollment calls for me, and uh, because I want to attract the best of the best, I actually make this. I made this 45 minute video recording, uh, and I and I send it to all of them. Say, hey, before you you know um, we speak feel free to watch this and i break down everything i show up i show them the marketing we're doing i show the financials i say here's our strike here's how much money we've been bringing in and here's our growth curve and you can be a part of this and like i show them here's how much we here's how much we pay for every book call on your calendar and you can see here that we only pay 150 bucks so we can print appointments on your calendar at will so you'll never have to worry about being here on the phone and like not having appointments to call right like uh, i'll make sure your paychecks are 10k or more per month north of that, right? Like, and I'm very like, hyper transparent, right? And then on the call, they're like, "Oh my gosh, like no one's ever done this for us." Like, when I saw that, I knew I wanted to interview here. So that was kind of my strategy. That's great. How much do you think? I heard you mention it earlier a little bit, but AI is becoming like the craze, right? In in every different um, every different industry, uh, do you see it affecting what you do in any way? Are you seeing it affect even like? I hate the, the idea of like AI is going to start taking jobs, right? But do you see yeah. that as a as something that's going to have an impact? You know, it reminds me of like 12, 15 years ago when, because uh, people have always been saying, uh, you know, that the technology is going to replace recruiters or replace a lot of people who, like a lot of people, right, um, to, to, across different industries. But um, you know, they said that 10 plus years ago about job boards. Hey, like Indeed.com. Oh, my God, people can just post resumes and hiring managers will just, you know, pick from there. Like they won't need a middleman anymore. But that hasn't been the, the case because the, we talked about the best people don't apply for jobs. So it requires someone to actually proactively like hunt that talent down, bring them to the table for an interview. Right. Um, and then later on, when it came down to like specialized job boards, hey, this job board is only um, they only focus on software engineers. So that's an eliminate. It's so specialized that like there will be no need for software engineer recruiters. But same thing, not true. AI is going to be the same thing. Not, uh, it might help you kind of scan a resume or source resumes or you know make it easier or faster. But uh, it's not going to replace. At the end of the day, uh, when you're in a people business, you need a person who can. Listen, build rapport, build trust, persuade, convey, empathize, right? All that stuff. Until AI can do that, then yeah. I think there'll be a need for someone on the other line of the phone. Yeah, phone we're looking call. at the exact same thing of saying, look, how do we, instead of fighting this, how do we leverage it the right way? How do we take advantage of it and and say, we, we still need our amazing people, but how do we make ourselves more efficient? 
How do we make ourselves, which in my world, it's driven on guest experience. So how can I somehow use this technology to make us better at what we do, the human side, to give our yeah. guests a better experience, right? So it's, I think it's just a different mindset of how we're going to utilize it versus the idea of, oh my God, the, the world's going to be run by, my server's going to be a robot, the bartender's going to be a robot, there's going to yeah, be you know, right. no one actually taking care of us. It's just a, a different way of doing it. So what do you think is next then? You know, you talked about you had 1.0, 2.0, you're about to roll out 4.0. Um, if you had to look to the future, what is 5, 6, 7, and 8.0? Uh, what's your best guess on on the evolution of your organization? Because I know what you're doing now is different from what you thought you're going to be doing on day one. There's there's some, yeah. right? There's something that's continuing to evolve and, and you, you flow with that. What do you think's next? How do you see it continuing to change? Yeah, um, you know, the things that we're seeing already are people who, uh, once they get their initial success, they've made one, two, three placements, made, you know, they have extra 50, 60, 70K in the bank, right? Uh, from there, now they're like, okay, I want to grow. I want to scale from just being a solopreneur, one person shop to having a team. Because with m most, I think all service businesses, including recruiting, um, there's a ceiling and cap on what you can earn when you run out of time in the day. Right. There's only so many because recruiting is very um, time intensive. These conversations take time and you have to make a lot of phone calls, a lot of follow ups, debriefs, prep calls, um, offer negotiation calls, stuff like that, that it takes it can eat up your whole day. And then you're realizing, oh, shoot, I don't have time to go out and find new clients. Right. And so you kind of stop taking new clients. Hey, I'm maxed out. I'm, 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 at, I'm at capacity. I can't bring on any more clients. And that's where you your income gets limited. So then probably the next version of our program and what we're already starting to build out now is how to scale your recruiting business. So that way you can hire virtual recruiters, virtual account managers who can support you. And then maybe if you have 20 jobs to fill, you give those bottom 15 to your virtual recruiter who can do the legwork for you, the pre-screenings and kind of like a doctor's office, right? You can become that doctor that goes in, does this five, a five or 10 minute conversation, but then let all, let the nurse, let the uh, front desk receptionist do all the scheduling, all the stuff that you don't necessarily need to do. And um, so, yeah, so we've already built that out. It's called recruiting scale. It's really offered to people who have hit that level of success, but that's still, you know, we're still early on in that, but that's probably going to be a big need once people um, need to scale and they're like, okay, well now how do I hire? How do I manage a virtual recruiter? How do I screen them and make sure that they're good? And what's the SOP for weekly meetings and stuff like that, right? So it gets more into becoming a leader and a manager versus um, a doer and working on the business, not in the business, kind of like that old saying. Yeah. Are you working uh, strictly in US or is it global? Um, US, Canada, Mexico, yeah, just still in North America. Got it. Are you seeing the market? Is it? Is there a difference between what you're seeing in Canada versus U.S. versus Mexico, or is it consistent? Um, not really. I think the, the the fees can vary, right? Some markets like you don't charge twenty percent. Uh, some markets you, you can charge more. So the, their fees vary a little bit, um, but by far and large, like the approach is the same. Because at the end of the day, you are reaching out to an audience who uh, has a hiring pain. Right, uh, a, a, direct, a direct hiring manager who has a, a pain in their hiring process and offering a solution. And regardless of where you are, whether you do full-time recruiting or part-time staffing or hourly or a combination of that, right, that it's the same type of approach. So as long as you can put yourself in front of, you can have the right message in front of the right audience 
and do it at scale. And then when you do get on the call know how to have a good conversation and the results in a signed agreement saying, I will, you know, pay you if I hire your person. And then of course, put your recruiting hat on and know actually the art and skills of how to find that top 10% talent and to even get them to even take a call with you. Most talent won't even take, they're like, we hear all the time, Hey John, I, I normally don't take calls with recruiters, but that thing you sent me, or the video you sent me really caught my eye. So when I hear that, I'm like, yes, I, this, this, this is a, this is an instant, we call them walking placement. If I get them this, get this guy an interview, this girl an interview, it's, it's one interview, one hired, it's a done deal. Right? Like I don't have to send them 10 people. I can send them one. So that's yeah. what we look to do. If you could tell somebody listening right now, that's like, man, I'm, I really want to do my own thing. I, you know, I have a passion for whatever the industry is. It could be trying to go into recruiting like yourself um, or something, something else. What's one thing that you would tell them right now? Um, if someone, what's that one thing that you wish somebody told you? When I first became like an entrepreneur or branch yeah. kind of yeah, when you were going to, when you were going to launch your first thing, what do you wish, man, if they would have told me this, it would have helped me so much. It would have saved me time, money, whatever. Hmm. Yeah, I would say uh, it would be like the information you consume, it, like you get what you pay for type of thing. Like I, it took me like, so in the beginning, in the first year, I just binge watched content on YouTube and, and I would have like tutorials I would find online and guides and uh, read articles to try to like figure it out on my own uh, until I realized that most of the stuff out there is like like marketing, right? It's like content, it's like 10% like value to 90% like marketing right and, and trying to sell you stuff and so it took me a long time to kind of like piece enough information of frankenstein together to actually make it applicable whereas once i started um even even you don't have you can even pay 20 dollars and buy a book that's gonna be better than watching most free content and then taking a mini course or something like a, a nine nine hundred dollar thing is going to give you exponentially more value than uh, a book right so as you level up and invest more in yourself you get more and more out of it, right? And so, and I, I still do this myself where I'm part of an annual mastermind for business owners in the coaching space. And I pay $68,000 a year to attend this yearly mastermind, which is I know, kind of an insane amount of money. Uh, it was for me when I first realized how much it was cost, but the people that I met there, like the network, the value, the content, the connections, like I've already made my ROI back like within three months just from meaning that one person at that one event, like, because when you go to free networking events, right, get free content, you hang out with that crowd. And then when you level up where you hang out, the information you consume, you start hanging out with that crowd and the people above it. So that really helped me because I think accelerate our growth. If I could take everything that you just said and bottle that up, um, believe wholly in, in two different laws. One is law of association, right? Who we mm -hmm. associate with attracts, and that's the law of attraction of who we're going to, who we're going to become, right? And the second yeah. thing beyond that would be the law of the lid that says if I'm always, if I'm always associating people that are are doing better, are striving for more, then that's going to continue to push me to go above that, right? Wherever we cap ourselves at, that means everyone below us that we're mm -hmm. typically trying to associate with, they're never leveling up. And so, you, man, invest, invest, invest. And I think when we talk about invest, it's not always just the invest dollars into stuff. What are we doing to invest in people? 
What are we doing to invest in our teams? How are we making sure we're putting them in positions and around people that's going to help grow and push them? If we're constantly putting them in the exact same spot with the exact same people in the same bubble, they will not grow. It's just it's just the way it's the way nature works. Um, and yep. so to hear to hear you say that and it be a testament saying, yeah, I did this and it was a huge investment. But because of that, we continue to grow as a company and you continue to grow as a person. That's that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, um, it's funny when I went to this uh, live event, the last one was in Cabo. Um, I came in thinking, you know what, like awesome, like it, it, you have to hit a certain uh, revenue numbers to even be considered for the mastermind. So I'm like, awesome. I'm, I'm in the big leagues now. And we, they sat down in the giant reception room and they're like, okay, we kind of organize the tables from um, size of your companies. And I was on the far left. I was like, and the far right were the people doing like a million dollars a month in, in, in revenue. Right. And I'm on the, I'm, on, I'm, I feel like I was on the baby, the kids table, the wedding. I'm, like, oh, I'm on the far end. So I'm like, all right, next time I come, I want to start moving closer to the middle of that rooms that can eventually be on table number 13 which is where all like the the whales were right um, right so it, it felt so i had to like yeah level up to a place where all of a sudden now i'm the i'm on the bottom of the totem pole of a much higher pole right so i'm still trying to work my way towards table number 13 that's my goal <laughs> i mean we got we gotta have goals at least you know what table number you're trying to get to man <laughs> yeah exactly work my way over there it, Exactly. Um, all right. So if people are wanting to get involved, they want to find you, they want to tap into your business, they want to tap into your organization, they want to they want to pick your brain. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can go to recruitingaccelerator.com. You know, we have lots of free content, free training to learn about what we do and the world of recruiting as an independent recruiter, get clients, you know, making $20,000 placements um, you can also find me on linkedin or type in how to start a recruiting business i'm everywhere there too so uh, not a hard guy to find man i appreciate you so much for hanging out with us spending time with us and just dropping some insane knowledge for everyone um we got to do this again i think that this yeah, is a continued like conversation evolution of uh, what's next no thank you chris this has been a lot of fun as well for me of course, man. For everyone that's watching, thanks so much. Um, I am Chris Adams, the Pink Elephant. You can catch us every Tuesday uh, with a new episode. And uh, you can find me at chrisadams.official or the website ellisadamsgroup.com. And we'll uh, see everyone next week.